Good morning. Will you guys stand with me as we read the word? Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 34. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking through the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eye of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some woman from our group of his followers were at this tomb earlier this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the woman had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures and things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing <coughs> Emmaus in the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, and then they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. Y'all may be seated. Happy Easter, everybody. It's good to see you today. Um, I love Bob's Hope story um, because I love, I love that line he said in there at the, towards the end. He said, you know, I was always the guy who thought I was too smart for church, too smart for, for God. And I, it just made me laugh a little bit because really what we're celebrating today is so ridiculous. It's so foolish. To believe what we believe is really so crazy. And if you're here today and you are a Christian, here's what you got to know. You're kind of weird. <laughs> you're kind of strange. You're sitting by a weirdo. And I love the, what Dakota read there. I, I had, I'd read the scripture, you know, obviously several times this week getting ready and I but I just hadn't paid attention to the, where they, they said, and some of our men went out to the tomb, and sure enough, I just started laughing when he read that, like, sure enough, he was gone, he wasn't there, and that's what today's all about. Today is all about uh, the resurrected Jesus, and, um, you know, Christianity is really, really, really simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. 
It really comes down to one question. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And a lot of people make it about a lot of other things. They say, well, I don't know how I feel about the Bible. I don't know how I feel about some of the teaching and all those things. And I get that. And those, we can have legitimate conversations about that. But if he rose from the dead, then what he said was true. And that's really what it comes down to is did he was he raised from the dead? And that's what we celebrate today. And those of us who are Christians, we believe the answer to that question is emphatically yes. And we've experienced it. We don't just know it with our heads. We don't just believe something factually, but we have experienced the power of that information. What, what Bob described as this, this something was happening, his feeling on the inside of him, what these men in the scripture said, our, our hearts burned within us. And so I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad we're getting to celebrate uh, that together. And what I want to do for just a few minutes today is I want to talk about hope. Everybody say hope. hope. I want to talk about hope. Not only is it the name of our church, but the reason it's the name of our church is because uh, in Jesus is ultimately where we find hope. I think everybody could use a little bit more hope in their lives. And I know that there are a lot of guests here today, or maybe people who haven't been here in a while. Some of you, this is the first time you're seeing our new building. What do you think, huh? It's kind of cool. Uh, a lot of work to be done still, but uh, excited about what God's doing in our church and uh, bringing two congregations together. Just some exciting things happening. But I know there are guests here, people who are here for the first time, uh, maybe in a long time. And there are, there's so much variety in the room from spiritual experiences in your past, beliefs, uh, education levels, honestly, interest level. Um, I'm always more conscious on Easter Sunday more than any other day. I mean, I always try to think through the lens of who's in the room, but I'm more conscious on Easter more than any other day of the fact that there are so many differing perspectives and interest levels in the room. Some of you right now are looking at me like, how long is this going to go? Um, hopefully not too long. And, and so we have all of these differing backgrounds. And so I guess the starting question for me is always, what do we have in common? What do we have in common? What's true about human nature? What's true about all of us in the room? And, and there's probably a, a several things that we could List, But one of the things that I know is true about all of us in the room is that there is still some part of us that is dissatisfied. All of us in the room have some part of us that are dissatisfied to differing degrees. And it's not that somehow I have some special power to predict that. It's that it's part of human nature. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But what, what, is, what is true about all of us is that there is something out there, there's something in front of us that we believe that if we could have it or if we could get there, then, then we would be able to satisfy in some way these longings that we have. And when I say longings, I don't just mean some kind of appetite. Longings for you may mean questions that you want answered. That's usually the way it works for me. It may, it may mean feelings you want to feel or questions that you want answered or a type of acceptance that you would like to have. There's something out there that what all of us have in common as human beings is we want to look in the mirror or think about our life or assess ourselves and in some way feel as if we are not lacking in some way or broken in some way. 
that, that, that in, some, in some form or fashion, we could be a little bit smarter or a little bit wealthier or a little bit more loving or a little bit more accepted or a little thinner or a little, you know, whatever, important, whatever, whatever it is. And I was thinking about that this week, just about how all of us have somewhere we want to go or somewhere that we want to get to. You know, some uh, sitting over here, but also in the room, we have a lot of students in the room and middle school, high school students, and, and you're, you're probably spending a lot of time thinking about how you just want to be older. You just want to get older. Man, I just can't wait till I'm grown up. just want to be older. My, uh, my, my, my boys, six and eight-year-old Solomon and Zeke, every time they get told no, they say, oh, I can't wait till I'm an adult and just do whatever I want. You know, and I think all of us can relate to that that feeling. But some of you don't want to be older. Some of you want to be younger. You keep buying certain products or trying certain things or procedures or whatever it is so that you can look in the mirror and say, man, I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking younger, right? Some of you want professional success, like you want to make partner at your office, or maybe there's no partners at your office, but you'd like to have an office. You know, you'd like to have your own space. Some of you want to be thinner. You know, you step on the scale or you look in the mirror and you say, man, if I could just be thinner. But others of you, you're like, man, if I could just bulk up, which we don't understand, y'all, but uh, I know some of y'all want to bulk up. Um, and, and, and so you're, you're, you're maybe role-playing in your mind or you're thinking of scenarios or what you'll look like. Some of you are waiting for summer so you can take that vacation Others of you are just counting down the days to retirement, and nobody can tell you, you know, what to do. Some of you want to get married. Others of you want to leave your spouse. There, there's this thought that, like, man, if I could just figure out how to have this or get this, then whatever. I mean, there's lots of different words we could use, but whatever that, that thing is in me, that dissatisfied thing inside of me, whatever that is, then it, it would go away, and I wouldn't feel this way anymore. And what all of us have in common is that that idea or that scenario or that outcome is always out in front of us. It's always something that we're striving for. It's always something that we're, we're working towards. And by the way, that's not always a bad thing. That drive, that ambition, that restlessness is also what pushes us to work hard or save money or mature. But this is also um, what causes us to feel discontent. It sometimes sends us into spirals of depression or anxiety. And if truth be told, if we had the power to trade spots with someone and we got to pick, that would be the big caveat, and we got to pick, we'd, we'd, we'd heavily consider it. If we could trade spots with somebody else who has the life that we want or the accomplishments that we want, we would, we would maybe really consider it. And the priest, uh, St. John Marie Vianney, was, was once asked after a lifetime of serving uh, as a priest, what, what wisdom had he gained about human nature from all of the confessions that he had heard over the years? Which is really an interesting question. 
And his answer was very simple. He said, people are much sadder than they seem. People are much sadder than they seem. And there is something, listen, I'm, there, I know that there are cynics who would say like, no, I'm perfectly fine, I'm happy, leave me alone. Okay, great. But I think if we were being honest, I think all of us can resonate with that answer in some way. All of us could resonate with that answer in some way that it, it's just not exactly going how we thought it would go in some way. Or we can think of a way that it could go better. Well, the French philosopher Blaise Pascal built his entire apologetic for Christianity on the simple belief that at our core, people are unhappy. And I want to be clear, I'm not saying that every day is a bad day. I'm not saying that uh, we're, we're never happy. I just got back from a week at the beach. I was very happy. 78 every day with a breeze. It was unbelievable. So I'm not saying, I'm not, please don't hear me painting some, you know, there's a hole in your heart and only Jesus can fill it and every day you're miserable. Like when you get that paycheck, that's a bonus at your job, that's a good day. You feel good about life, you know? You hold your baby in your arms. Those are good days. You feel like you accomplished something important. That's a good day. Like there are good days in our life and there are days that we are, are happy. But we never seem to be as satisfied as we want to be. And we're always thinking about something else, somewhere else, maybe wanting to be someone else. Sadie and George, if you guys will help me. I've been thinking about this uh, a lot lately. Specifically, I've been, I've been thinking about this word, there. Everybody say there. I'm thinking about this word there because whatever it is that I think would satisfy me is always over there. It's always out there. It's, it's, always, it's always somewhere I'm not, but with a little more effort, with a little more trying, with a little more pushing, I could get, I could get there. And so I, I, I'm here right now. I'm here. You're, you're, you're where you are right now. You are here. And there's something over there that you want. And this doesn't even mean it's a bad thing. It's just over there because you don't have it right now. Let's don't overthink it. We're here. It's over there. We don't have it right now. So we push and we strive and we work and we push and we strive and we work and we finally get there. But then something happens. You realize that once you get there, there turns into here. And now you're here. But you didn't like here. And you're here. But if you could get there, because there is where you wouldn't feel this way anymore. And so you work and you strive and you push and you sacrifice and you work and you work and you work and you finally get there. And then you realize something about there. There's just here. It's just here. There is always here once you get there. We could just pray and go home right now. Some of y'all's minds are just expanding. <laughs> You're like, I, I don't even know what to say. Thank you, Jesus. There is just here once you get there. And there's always a there. And you push and you strive and you push. And I remember, I, I, I give this example all the time because it's just so real to Andrew and I. We laugh about it all the time. But we remember that, 
that first house. Matter of fact, I was just telling somebody before service, we, we lived in the St. Andrews apartments when we first moved here, and then we bought our first house, 857 square feet of paradise. <laughs> I don't know how those three bedrooms in there, but they fit them in there. And, you know, and it came with the appliances. We didn't know that, you know. We just like, man, you should give us the fridge. And so they gave us the fridge. It was in there. And we moved in, and it was, we were finally there. And then we realized that, you know, there were some things about it we wish we could maybe do a little better. We had a couple of kids, and then we just thought, man, if we could just get over there, if we could just get over there. And so we did. We saved. We worked. We sold. We moved. And we, got, and we finally moved in to 1,800 square feet, two stories, <laughs> two stories, master bath. It's paradise. We were finally there. But then we realized that we were really just here. But if we could ever get there, <laughs> oh, man. And so, you know, 10 years later, we're looking, we're saving, and we, find, we just got there, by the way. This past summer, we got there. And we're starting to realize something, that we're really just here. <laughs> and I could tell you that about pastoring a church. I could tell you that about having kids. I could tell you that about making certain amounts of money. And you could tell me your stories. If I was just to pass the microphone around today and I would start with the older people in the room because you've got so much wisdom to share with us, you would tell us about all of the theirs that turned into here's. And there's this feeling inside of us that wonders if we're ever going to get there. And there's a carrot on a stick, and we just keep striving. And listen, by the way, if if I'm not making myself clear, all the things that we want, they're not bad things. They're not bad things, but they're just out there. You guys can be seated. Thank you. Now, where does this come from? Where, Where does this feeling come from, this dissatisfaction come from? Well, in the Christian tradition... We believe that it comes from the Garden of Eden. We believe it comes from Adam and Eve. If you know anything about the story of Adam and Eve, you know that God created them and he placed them in the garden with power and authority and freedom. And the only thing that they could not have was fruit from the knowledge, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But Eve wanted it. Adam wanted it. It was over there and they wanted it. And this is always the devil's plan. It's always his first strategy. It's still his strategy. There's something wrong with you, and the answer is over there. And then we read the scripture that Dakota read for us today, traditionally known as the road to Emmaus. And it was just a few days after Jesus was crucified. He was resurrected, but no one was really sure yet because Mary was sure. She was at the tomb, and she was sure, but the other disciples, they weren't sure yet. Because Jesus was just kind of appearing in in random places to different people randomly. And so then we get to this story, which seems so odd. It's it's Jesus kind of being coy. It's Jesus kind of playing hide-and-seek in some way. And there are a lot of different historical and theological opinions about the meaning and the purpose of this story. And they're all very helpful. But one of the more interesting interpretations of this story that I thought was just really fascinating is that this story that Luke wrote 
is a, is a reference to the story of Adam and Eve in the garden. That Luke was trying to make a point that all of the people reading the story when it first came out, all of the Jewish people reading the story would have totally understand it because they knew their Old Testament. And that in, and somehow in this story, Luke was trying to make a point about Adam and Eve in the garden. And if you, if you hold that lens up to the story, there's really a lot of cool similarities that, like for example, in the garden, Adam and Eve were walking with God, if you know the story, fully connected in a, in a full relationship. But in our story, two people are walking uh, with Jesus. They're walking away from Jerusalem, which represents kind of the spiritual hub. And so they're, they're walking away from, from faith. In the garden, Adam and Eve felt no sadness and shame. The Bible is very clear about that, that they live with no uh, dissatisfaction or sadness or shame. But in our story, our two characters are deeply sad. They're deeply confused. They're searching for answers. In the garden, Adam and Eve had a bad meal. They ate something they weren't supposed to eat. And it says their eyes were open and they immediately felt shame. But in our story, two people had a good meal. They ate bread, broke bread with Jesus, and their eyes were opened. And it says that their hearts burned within them. I thought this was just a really interesting comparison. And the question is, what's the point? Why does that matter to you and me on this Easter Sunday? Well, it matters because Luke is trying to make a point. And the point that he's trying to make is that something was broken in us in the garden. That Adam and Eve is not just some cute little story painting, you know, joke for husbands and wives about where wife wants to eat dinner or whatever. That it was, it was something else much more significant, that something got broken in us. And that Sin entered into the human heart, and since sin entered into the human heart, there has been a certain level of misery ever since. Differing degrees, and it maybe it, may misery is too strong a word for you. Maybe it's dissatisfaction, discontentment, confusion, shame, whatever it is. But, but God told Adam and Eve that it would be this way. He shows up after they've eaten the apple, and he, he, he gives them clothes to cover their shame. And then he described what life would be like, and, and it can't read, we can't read all of it, but he said this line to Adam. He said, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And he wasn't just describing this for Adam. He was describing it for you and me, all of humanity, that, that one of the ways, yes, we love our life, yes, we love our kids, yes, we... But one of the ways that you can describe the human existence is restless wandering. Restless wandering. It's just never as good as we think it's going to be. It never satisfies us as much as we hope it will. There's a restlessness to us. And we think the answer is always over there. But, but the problem is, is here. It's here. And it's really bizarre when you think about Jesus disguising himself. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus spend seven miles all day walking with two people disguising himself? And I, I think there's something really beautiful that we can take out, all of us can, can, can take out of this and, and see ourselves in the story. See, you and I, we're like the two people on the road. There's something, there's a sadness or a confusion 
or a, or a brokenness inside of us in some way. But most importantly, what we have in common with the people in this story is we are blind. We can't see Jesus for who he is. Maybe you've been raised around church. Maybe you're a religious person. Maybe you were raised in church, but you've gotten away from church. And so, you know, it's like you know all the facts about Christianity. You know the Bible stories about Christianity. But you, you, you have not experienced the power that Bob was describing in his story. You've never had that moment when your heart burns within you. The Bible would describe your condition and our condition as, as blind, as spiritually blind. And, and, and there's lots we could say about the prophecies in the Bible and all the information that they're exchanging back and forth. But it says that these two guys invited Jesus in and Jesus breaks bread with them and they're immediately their eyes are open. This is not a coincidence. This is not some cute little point he's trying to make about bread. This is an incredibly significant point for all of us who are following Jesus. And that is, it's not about the power of specifically bread. It's about the bread representing Jesus Christ. Jesus said he is the, the bread of life. And so Jesus takes the bread, this meal that he had with his disciples, and we see him having it here. He tells us to have it. We'll do it just in a few moments here in our service. He takes it, and he breaks it, and immediately their eyes are opened. And, and, and it's not just that they see him and go, oh, I didn't realize that he had a beard. It's not that they're physically their eyes are open. It's that spiritually their eyes are open, and they go, okay, he's been with us the whole time, but I didn't know who he was, and now I know who he is. This is the experience that every single one of us have to have to be a Christian. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means that your eyes are opened and you go, I knew what John 3.16 said. I, I knew the name of the 12 disciples. I was in a Bible class. I went to Catholic school. My grandma always made me go on Easter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Oh, now I know. That's salvation. That's conversion. It's not about a summer camp. It's not about repeating a prayer. We do those things. We repeat a prayer. It's not just about water and a baptism. At some point, your, the eyes, 1 Corinthians says, the eyes of your heart must be opened. And you go, I see it now. I see how everything in my life had led me up to this moment. I see how all the places I tried to find answers had never provided the answers that I needed. And this is why, this is so beautiful, this is why Jesus tells his disciples, and you and me, we are his disciples. If we're, if we're Christians, we're disciples. He says, do this often in remembrance of me. Now, why would he tell us to do an act to remember him? Well, the reason that he would tell us to do an act to remember him is because we forget we forget that all of our answers are at the cross. We forget that all of the lies of the enemy that we were fully convinced were lies, we forget. And then we start believing maybe they're not lies anymore. And so Jesus says, I want you to keep coming back to the meal. Keep coming back to the meal. Keep coming back to the bread. Keep coming back to the juice. And every time you take the bread... And every time you take the juice, it's like your eyes 
can be opened again. And you see Jesus again for who he is, who he really is. Now, if I was you and I was sitting there and I wasn't a believer, my thought would be like, okay, I'm following you, but like, how does that affect me tomorrow? Like, what practically, like, what are you talking about? You just want me to eat the bread? Is that what you mean? No, it's not what I'm saying. See, I'm saying that tomorrow, and this is true for all of us, not just non-believers, but, but, but especially for, for, for somebody who's saying, I just don't understand practically what you're saying. What I'm saying is tomorrow when you wake up, and tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to have 3,000 options to believe or to, or to buy into or to work towards that I believe would fulfill me or make me provide the answers that I need or whatever it is. But all of them in some way or another will leave me restless and wondering. But that if I go back to the cross, well, how, what does that look like? That means, I, that means I wake up tomorrow morning and I sit in my chair that I have in my room and the way I like to do it is I, I hold my hands open and I just say to God, God, I surrender my agenda for this day, my need for control, all the ways that I think I'm going to make myself somebody, all the ways that I could earn my love, all the ways I surrender. I lay those down and God, I believe that you already thought that I was worthy enough, good enough, perfect enough, lovable enough, that you already sent Jesus I am who I am today because of Jesus. I'm accepted today because of Jesus. I'm loved today because of Jesus. I'm coming back to the cross today. I'm putting my trust in Jesus. This is what it looks like every day to, to have faith, to have trust in Jesus Christ. We come back again tomorrow, and we come back again tomorrow. But at some point, you have to have a starting point that says, I'm not going to put my faith in myself anymore. I'm going to put my faith in Jesus Christ and the cross and what he did. And then God being so good to us, knowing how tempted we would be and how easy it would be for us to forget, said, just keep coming to the meal. Just keep coming to the meal. Just keep coming to the bread. Keep coming to the juice. And every time you do it, just remember, you're enough because of me. You can be satisfied because of me. You don't have to go anywhere else to find what you're wanting. You can find it in me. And so we're going to have an opportunity to do that today. We do this every week, actually, but man, what a, what a perfect day on Easter Sunday to come to the table and to, to, to have the good meal. Adam and Eve had the bad meal. That messed us up. But we get to have the good meal. Maybe a fire rekindled in our heart. And maybe you're here today and, and you would say, Jason, I'm not a Christian. Maybe I was at one point, but, you know, I willingly kind of gave up on that. Or maybe you would say, you know, I don't know what I am, honestly, because I got like six different religious experiences in me. And, you know, wherever you are on this journey, my prayer, my hope for you, and I hope today's significant in some way. I don't know how the Holy Spirit would do it, but my prayer, my hope for you is that you would experience what these two guys experienced, that in some way beyond my ability to articulate, that the eyes of your heart would be open and there would be a fire that would begin to burn in your soul. And you would say, man, everything I've known up to this point, I'm not sure, so sure I know anymore. 
Everything I thought I believed up to this point, I'm not so sure I believe anymore. And I don't really have all the answers that I need. But I know that I can't do nothing with this information anymore. I believe in Jesus. I believe in the cross. I believe in the resurrection. That's where you start. And then you just figure it out from there together. We'll work on this together. We'll take these steps together. But we say, with all that I don't know, here's what I do know. I believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so if you'd bow your heads with me. In just a moment, the communion elements will be set up. You don't have to do that. If they feel uncomfortable with that, you do not have to do that. You can let that time pass you by. There will also be prayer team workers up here. But um, let me pray for us. God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the meal. Thank you that you, the bread of life, was broken. Your blood was shed. Not just so that my sins would be forgiven, but so that my shame would be taken away, my restlessness would be taken away, my discontentment would be taken away, my confusion would be taken away. And God, I, I pray that for every person in the room right now, I pray, God, that if they are here and there's something about that, that phrase, that restless wandering phrase that resonates deeply within their heart. God, I pray that today would be the day when they would stop wandering and they would put their faith in you and start a relationship with you. God, I pray for all the Christians in the room. We wander sometimes too, God. We're restless too so many times, so many days. God, I pray that you would help us to remember again, coming back again today, God, to the cross. Help us to remember it's not what we do, it's what you did. Help us to keep our faith and our trust in you. Nobody looking around, heads bowed, eyes closed. We just want to give you an opportunity today. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come up front or anything like that. I'm not going to call you out. It's just me and you in this moment. Nobody else looking around. But if you're here and you would say, Jason, I, uh, I don't know a lot, but I know this much that today's the day that I'm ready to put my faith in Jesus Christ and start a relationship with him. As you've been talking, there's been something burning in my soul. There's something happening in me. And I don't, know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do next. I just know that I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you just throw your hand up? Just make eye contact with me. Yeah, anybody else? Yeah, you can put it down. Yeah, anybody else? I'm ready to start a relationship. Yeah, you can put it down. I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, I see you. You can put it down. A lot of hands. Anybody else? I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus Christ today. Yeah, I see you. Anybody else? Yeah, I see you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? I'm ready to start a relationship with Jesus today. All right, everybody stand up with me. We, uh, you know, you hear me say all the time in my sermons that becoming a Christian is not about repeating a prayer. At the same time, we repeat a prayer around here. And the reason we do it is because we want to give you a starting point. And the way you become a Christian is that your heart 
is converted, your heart is changed. That's a supernatural part. The natural part is we just want to start a conversation with God, ask him to forgive us of our sins and give us the faith to believe in him and keep following him. So many, many, many of you raised your hand. I'm not sure how many, but a lot. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing you did, a step you're going to take. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you're, you were scared or you didn't trust me. You know, you thought I was going to make you come down front and stand on stage. That's all right. But we're going to pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it with me. And if you raised your hand and you pray these words and you mean them, then I believe that you're starting a relationship with Jesus Christ today. If you didn't raise your hand, but you pray these words and you mean them, I believe you're starting a relationship with Jesus Christ today. All right? So everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray this with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. Please save me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. The next time I fall, help me to get up and to run to you and not away from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate with those who gave their life to Christ today?